Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to be doing some crystal ball gazing at what might be grabbing the headlines in the coming weeks. I'm Robert Miller. That means looking at energy prices, bidding a fond farewell to Janet Yellen and asking what's in store for the world's biggest central bank, and we'll take a trip down the high street. I'm joined by Emily Gosden, The Times Energy Editor, Alex Ralph, Times Business Reporter, and Alexandra Freen, Business Columnist at The Times. And this week, I have a presenter's friend. Welcome to you all. We'll be finding out about the ideal tech toy for Christmas. Emily, can we start with you straight in? There's been a huge hiatus about the gas prices and oil prices rising. Can you just explain how did this all blow up? So it won't have escaped anybody's notice that it's been quite cold lately. That's the first factor that's come into play. We've, we've had unusually cold weather and so demand for gas is very high. Then on Monday afternoon, INEOS, which is Jim Ratcliffe's petrochemicals giant, put out a release mid-afternoon announcing that it had to shut down the 40s pipeline. Now, the 40s pipeline is this very important oil pipeline that takes about 40% of the UK's oil production from the North Sea to the shore and then down through Aberdeenshire to Grangemouth, which is INEOS's refinery. Now, INEOS only bought this pipeline system from BP six weeks ago, the deal completed, and now it's broken, which is slightly unfortunate. They've discovered a, a hairline crack in it and they've had to shut it for repairs and that has caused immense disruption to North Sea oil production and has a knock-on effect on gas production too because a lot of these fields inevitably produce both oil and gas and even though the gas wasn't actually coming out through 40s they've had to shut in all production so it's knocked out about 40% of UK oil production and about 20% of, of UK gas production. We saw oil prices and gas prices both start to rise off the back of that. And then if things weren't bad enough with sort of cold weather and supply shortages on Tuesday morning, there was a terrible explosion in Austria at a big gas processing facility, um, which processes gas from Russia, kind of en route to Italy and places, and that sent prices shooting up on the continent. So just as we were becoming more reliant on imports from the continent, the, the prices were going up there too. So we saw prices on Tuesday hit highs we haven't seen since March 2013, which was when there was last a big cold snap and problems with pipelines. Um, cue lots of um, hand-wringing about the, the parlous state of Britain's energy strategy and then the lack of gas storage and familiar debates about that coming back. You've written that uh, Ineos has said this is not a matter of days, but rather weeks. Mm -hmm. So presumably, forgive me for being ignorant about this, but we'll have to import more energy in the form of gas and oil. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Ineos has been quite keen to stress that this isn't going to result in us running out of, of oil or gas. You know, oil can be easily brought in by tanker and, and that is happening. Um, the refineries that would have been using it are bringing in shipments. Now, on gas, certainly the government and National Grid will tell us we're not going to run out of gas. And, and that's almost certainly true. The question is what price you have to pay to ensure that you don't run out of gas. So, you know, if you're willing to pay enough, the gas will come. But so what we saw on Tuesday when there was that explosion in Austria was we were having to pay a high, higher premium to secure that spare gas from the continent. So, yes, we are importing more. And then last night we had confirmation that we're actually going to get our first cargo of liquefied natural gas from Russia. So liquefied natural gases, as I know you know, is, is gas. They, they chill it right down to like minus 160 degrees. So it's liquid. That means you can put it on a ship and transport it about. And um, Russia has literally just last week opened its brand new Yamal LNG facility up in the Arctic. Putin was there sort of pressing the button on them, opening up and loading up the first cargo, which they thought was going to go to China. Um, but it turns out it's coming to the UK. This is pretty politically sensitive, bearing in mind this was a project uh, run by a company that was targeted by US sanctions, given Theresa May has been criticising Russia behaviour. And until now, we haven't actually had gas directly from Russia. Russia feeds most of its gas into pipelines that come into Europe. That means we end up indirectly porting some through pipelines from the continent. But the government's always been very, very keen to play down how much we get from Russia and, and to emphasise how little we get because Russia has on several occasions cut off the gas to the Ukraine. You know, it, it's politically sensitive. So they said we got about less than 1% of our gas last year from Russia. Now we're getting direct shipments and it doesn't look great. Am I right in understanding, and Alexandra, if I can bring you in here, buying gas from Russia, is that on a sanctions list in America? And if it were, if it is, do the Americans take a dim view of anyone breaking sanctions or would they say, actually, it's a matter, because it's not the British government that's buying the gas, as Emily's pointed out, it's private companies. But if, in theory, someone was breaking US sanctions, could they be punished or is there not a lot the Americans can do other than wag their finger at us? Well, I mean, the situation in America is quite different to here because they've got so much of their own energy yeah. um, and made a big point with all the fracking of, of becoming self-sufficient in energy. I mean, it's hard to know how much they care about sanctions in the Trump era because they've got such this weird dynamic with Putin that, that it's, I mean, Americans have been very, very strict on certain sanctions, particularly in the Middle East, and have made a big deal of it. But... Um, I, I find it very difficult to read the situation um, with regards to Russia. It's bizarre. Alex, these sort of events, we see them playing out very much so, including, as Emily said, that uh, the fatal explosion in Austria. It plays in the newsroom on the big screens, but in terms of when you're a trader, is that only just one part of the equation or does this really something they sit down and analyse the situation as, as, as Alex and Emily have just been talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, there's obviously quite a lot of um, losers from this situation, not not least consumers. Putin's obviously one of the obvious winners, but so too would be the traders. So some will probably be on the right side of this and others on the wrong side. And, and, and no doubt they love volatility. So we've seen the, the wild fluctuations over the last few days. And I think, you know, the price has spiked up and they've, they've sort of drifted back down again. But that suits traders tremendously. They love to, they love to, that's how they make money by trading on, on that volatility. Well, just on that very point, um, when Centrica, the, which owns British Gas, uh, issued a profit warning last month, actually one of the reasons they cited was a lack of volatility in the market, which made it harder for their traders to, to profit. 
All right. So basically, in, in, in a nutshell, uh, Emily, this is more volatility to come feeding down into the pumps and what we pay for energy in our homes. Yeah, I mean, there are different views out there on what impact it really will have on, on pump prices. The RAC uh, stuck out a release saying it'll add three pence a litre by Christmas. I think the AA told me they, they thought that actually prices would probably stagnate around current levels. I mean, oil has retreated from most of the kind of extra gains it put on um, on Mondays. So it's not necessarily going to have a huge impact. I think on the domestic energy market, it's perhaps more interesting. We've seen a proliferation of little small suppliers over the last few years, these little, you know, startup cut price gas and electricity suppliers. And a lot of people in the industry are quite concerned that some of them are run on a shoestring and maybe with not terribly much expertise. There's one who, I guess the guy must be about 20 three now um i remember speaking to him a year ago and he told me energy trading was just simple economics it, it was very easy and you know some people out there raise an eyebrow at that and they wonder how well these companies will be able to cope with these real unexpected events so we shall see how it pans out can i throw in a question i, I don't know if you know the answer to it, but i'm curious as to how much how many days supply of oil or gas do we have in the uk do we do we count it like that um, on the gas side in particular, um, our gas storage typically has been reported as that because, I mean, no one no one out there generally knows what a million cubic metres of gas means. So typically people have referred to storage supplies in terms of how many days worth of supply it is. And um, until about a year ago, Britain's big seasonal storage facility called Rough, it's this old disused a gas field out in the North Sea, which was converted into a storage site. And that could hold about 12 days worth of the UK's winter demand. Now, a few years ago in 2013, when we had that last price spike, everyone was saying, well, rough was almost running dry. It was March. There wasn't much left in it. And a lot of people were saying, we need to build some more gas storage because we've got far less than most of our continental neighbours. They've got, you know, weeks and weeks worth of supplies in storage. Since then, the situation's actually got even worse because Rough, which has been going since 1985 as a storage site, is getting very old, basically giving out of the seams, and Centrica announced it's going to be shutting it down for good. So we haven't got a big seasonal storage site this winter. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head exactly how many days of storage we've got, but it's, it's even fewer than we did. Now, I don't think that means we're going to run out of gas, but it does almost certainly mean that we may have more price volatility to ensure that we don't. All right, well, watch out for that. And I'm sure there will be volatility anyway, one way or another. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, Alex, I'm going to turn to you. The US Federal Reserve has um, it raised its rates as expected. And Janet Yellen hosted her final press conference as chairwoman of the Central Bank. Um, let's first just listen to how she reflected on her time as probably the most powerful woman in global finance. It's been an immensely rewarding experience for me. I feel um, very um, positive about um, what we've been able to accomplish and feel tr tremendous, um, you know, loyalty to the institution. So I did make the judgment that this is the right time for me to leave, but um, I feel I have served in senior positions um, at the Fed for a long time, and it's really been an honor and a privilege for me to have had a chance to do so. Janet Yellen there reflecting on her time at the Fed. Uh, as US business editor, you watched her firsthand for a long time, Alexandra. What do you think she brought to the Fed and what is her legacy? Well, first of all, uh, regular listeners to this podcast will know that I'm a huge Janet Yellen fan, uh, not least because of that fabulous Brooklyn accent. And um, she is, you know, people talk about economists as hawks or doves, but I always thought, think of Janet Yellen as an owl. She's very wise. She's very calm. Um, she's got this sense of humour, but it's not obvious. And um, I think that even the people that doubted her have come around to like her. She's been you know, she was handed an extraordinary task of reversing that enormous um, stimulus programme that was put in place under the Federal Reserve. It had never been done before. And some were quite sceptical when she was appointed. But I think most people now recognise she's done a very good job. She has, above all, not roiled the markets, the stock markets, which is um, not the Fed's remit, but it, it kind of is on the side. Um, and uh, I think she has accidentally become a sort of feminist icon. You know, when, when Donald Trump suggested he wasn't going to reappoint her but to replace her, there were people marching in the streets of Washington, D.C. with Janet Yellen wigs on. She's got this very distinctive white shock of hair. It's a bob, really, and isn't She's it? a bob, and she's, yeah. she's a very elegant, a very stylish lady, and she, um, I think, would have been amused by that. But I think more, on a more serious note, she has done a really, really good job. And at the same time, I mean, you mentioned she's one of the most powerful people in finance. I think she's one of the most powerful women in the world, actually, if you think of the influence of the Federal Reserve and the knock-on effects of everything it does. And uh, the first woman to hold that job, and she never used her gender to sort of pursue feminist causes, but very quietly and in the background, just through her use of language, through the things she cares about, through her focus on unemployment. If you read her speeches on unemployment, she talks about the human cost, about what it does to families, what it does to mental health. Um, you never hear central bankers say that stuff. And she was the first, really, to do that and to, to bring that onto the agenda. So I think she's had a, a very positive influence that goes beyond mere control of um, interest rates. Alex, Alexandra there referred to not roiling the markets. It was something that 
in a way, frequently one could say her predecessors, less so Ben Bernanke, but before that, Alan Greenspan made Delphic Oracle look sort of positively open, didn't he? He, he basked in the fact that he could be obscure and saying, if you understand me, then you mis- must have misunderstood me. So from the market point of view, Janet Yellen presumably has been a welcome breath of fresh air. You, what you saw is what you got. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, uh, in terms of her legacy, it'll be one of, um, you know, the finest things she's achieved after, you know, an unprecedented period of low interest rates, historically low interest rates. You know, the Fed has led the way in, in, in slowly and gradually raising them and, and the market hasn't reacted with a tantrum. It's 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 taken it in its stride. And um, with Jerome Powell coming in, he's very much the continuity character in, in that regard that, you know, they've already um, guided towards uh, a similar level um, of rates over the next couple of years. I suppose there'll be hoping that um, that'll also be part of her legacy, that they can continue to, um, you know, take the markets with them. Just just as a final thought, Emily, going back to what Alexandra said, a feminist icon, it just seems to me that she wasn't just the feminist cause, but also it was young people. That I heard. So many times she seemed to have gone to universities and to schools from someone who's seen her, after all, all commodity prices are in, in dollars. From your point of view, would you say she leaves very much a lasting legacy in terms of what a central banker should be? Um, I guess so. It's certainly, I agree with Alexandra that, that it seems very rare to have a, a woman in such a powerful position. Um, you know, you can think of very few, I guess, Christine Lagarde and people like that spring to mind, but it is, it's still refreshing and, and rare to, to see women doing that. And that in itself is, is a good legacy to be leaving. On this point about roiling markets, you mentioned Alan Greenspan. You know, what previous chairs of the Fed have done is, you know, what's often referred to as furtive signalling. You know, they would reportedly uh, invite favourite reporters in and hint at what forthcoming decisions were going to be. And and the reporters report it would move markets. Yellen never did that. And it's going to be very interesting to see what her successor, Jerome Powell, assuming he gets confirmed, because he still has to go through his confirmation hearings. I mean, I I don't have any doubts that he will be. But he comes from the world of um, investment banking. He's not an economist. He doesn't come from the world of academia. And he comes from the world of investment banking where there is briefing uh, of reporters and there are leaks. And I'm wondering if we're going to go back to the Greenspan days. All right, well, we'll leave that there. And finally, let's uh, get down to the... What this is all about at the festive season. Um, last year, you recommended uh, Alexa as a possible present to give. You've got one yourself, Amazon's uh, uh, Alexa, I should say, and that was her helping us out at the beginning of the programme. Um, this year, let's just give you a taster of what you've got in line. Meccano. Imagine building your own robot. Your imagination just got real. I'm Mechanoid G15. You can program my moves. Let's do this. And play them back. Let's do this. I can understand you. Let's Kung Fu. Hiya. Hey, hey, Eva. Alexandra, explain. What a very annoying advert. That's, <laughs> that sounds like. I grew up, you know, building models with Lego and with Meccano. And, you know, Meccano has come out with this product called Meccano Max, which is a robot that you can build yourself. So it's got the construction pieces, it's got a little motor, it's got, uh, it's programmable. Uh, Once you've programmed it, you can command it to do things using voice commands. It supposedly incorporates artificial intelligence, although I, I don't quite know how or even why it would need to do that. But it looks absolutely fantastic. Meccano is it's an expensive gift, I would say. I mean, I think the cheapest one's like £110 and it goes up to 135 
but it would be a great family gift. It's it's marketed as being aimed at sort of 10-year-olds and up, but frankly, I can't think of a single adult that I know that wouldn't be delighted to get that. I, and um, if anyone's still wondering what I would like for my Christmas, um, I would like one, please. Yeah, Rob, Julie noted, we'll speak to the business editor, I'm sure he's going to sign that one off on expenses. Emily, any particular gadgets that you set store by or, or that you use, you think, in, in new technology terms? No good looking at me because I'm, I'm still got a blackberry for goodness sake. That's your doorbell, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so um, th there was uh, a remarkable level of debate uh, a month or two on Twitter about how, how we millennials, which I fear is a category I fall into, mm. don't use doorbells. We're apparently scared of our doorbells now. And uh, I'm not sure that's quite true but our doorbell was broken for several years uh but we have now got a new one which comes with a video camera um i had nothing to do with this purchase i should add uh, this is all my other half but it's now rigged up so i can my phone will buzz if somebody rings the doorbell um when i'm not there so i was in vienna for opec last month and could had i answered it quickly enough uh have have spoken to the nice lady who was charity collecting at my front door at the time. I, I'm really concerned that Emily is conducting surveillance of all the walk passers-by who walk past her front door and I'm not sure whether the people that make these devices have run this past, you know, the Attorney General. Is this legal just to film the postman and people that just happen to walk past your house? It sounds a bit like Mary Poppins, I have to say. I mean, talking of Mary Poppins, you were going to say something about the world's biggest... Uh... Deal Disney and, and, and 21st Century Fox, weren't you? In terms it's the big of business story of the week. Uh, the Walt Disney Company's purchase of, you know, most of the assets of 21st Century Fox, which um, uh, the Times shares certain owners with, I would say, uh, in the interest of full disclosure. It's a really interesting deal. On the one hand, it, it, it's a sign of how the um, entertainment and media industry is consolidating in the face of the um, rise of streaming and how these, you know, Disney wants more content so it can stream more stuff and it wants more uh, diverse content from all over the world so it will gain Star TV in India and hopefully it thinks it's going to get hold of Sky in, in the UK. Um, on the other hand, it's a really sort of epic unbundling for Rupert Murdoch who spent his whole career building up uh, his empire. And it is, you know, I think a month ago when we first started hearing rumours of this deal, a lot of us were very sceptical. And now it's happened. Well, I mean, final thought perhaps from you, Alex Ralph. I mean, in terms of big deals for the market, we've always sort of wondered about, well, you know, Brexit, all the concerns about why people might not carry on doing the deals that we talk about. And this is, by anyone's book, a mega deal. Do you see 2018 being a good year for deals on what you know at the moment? No one's asking you to predict it, I promise you. Well, I mean... Well, I might do. The, obviously, the uh, the currency effect is still very much um, at play here. So with the, with the you know, the, the pound weaker against the dollar, that obviously um, leaves vulnerable a number of UK companies that could be taken out by foreigners. Um, interestingly, recently we had um, we had some uh, investment bankers in to the office from... Uh, Canaccord Genuity, and they were they've come up with this whizzy uh, piece of software, which basically tells you um, which are the most vulnerable companies. You know, running all sorts of numbers, um, which is quite a nice Christmas present if you want to make a bit of money. But um, one of those companies was Marks and Spencer, so perhaps we could see that being um, taken out next year. I think they also had Debenhams up there, didn't they? 
Yeah, yeah, may have. Maybe, maybe that's a deal in yeah. the making there. Yeah. Goodness me. Well, there's two cast iron for tips for Christmas and a Meccano set with a robot. And perhaps a new doorbell for you, Emily, I think. We'll send you back. It was back the old-fashioned old knocker, I think. You just bang, bang, bang. Let me in, let me in. OK, well, that's about it for now. My thanks to you all, obviously. And uh, do keep up to date with all the financial news in the coming days. We do the analysis, and that's on your phones, your tablets, and in the paper. If you'd like to become a subscriber, just go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, to Emily Gosden, and to Alex Ralph. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. Oh, and I have to mention, so am I. This is our final business podcast for the year. So on behalf of us all, and not forgetting Rich Jarman, our long-suffering producer... Have a wonderful and safe festive season and new year. And thanks for listening. Let's give the last word to Alexa. Thanks, Robert. I'll take this from here. To all our listeners, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ho, 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 ho. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.